0: Welcome to ScrubCast, where we explore clinical, translational, and health services research from Stanford University's Department of Surgery through conversations with the authors. I'm your host, Rachel Baker. Today on the show, we have several members from the Consortium on Advancement in Research and Education, or CARE. Can you each introduce yourself to our listeners?
1: Sure. I'm Rahim Nazarelli. I'm an associate clinical professor in plastic surgery here at Stanford University.
2: Hello, my name is Priscilla Cevaez. I am a rising fourth year medical student at Dartmouth. And I am at Stanford currently completing an additional research year, working with Dr. Nazarelli in care.
3: My name's Cometh Tony Tawanyarat, but I just go by Tony. I'm a third year right now at the Medical College of Georgia. So born and bred in Atlanta, went to undergrad at the University of Georgia, went straight through and now I'm at the Medical College of Georgia. Um, So I'm a third year, I'm very interested in plastic surgery. And yeah.
0: Thank you so much for being here today. Dr. Nazarelli, how about we start with you? Can you tell us what CARE is and how it got started?
1: Sure, yeah. So CARE actually started uh, during the pandemic. And it was an opportunity for students, residents, as well as faculty to work together on research and education in plastic surgery. It was based on the principle that... We didn't all need to be in the same place at the same time working on the research together, but we could span across the entire U.S. and work on projects based on our strengths and help with students to uh, match and get into plastic surgery from, uh, from their programs.
0: Awesome. Now, Priscilla, you just mentioned that you are a student at Dartmouth. How did you get involved with CARE?
2: I got connected with Dr. Nazarelli and care through one of the attendings at Dartmouth. His name is Dr. John Negrini, and he had completed his residency training here at Stanford. And he had put me in touch with the with the team out here because um, he knew that I was interested in plastic surgery and looking for a potential opportunity to do research for a year. And through him reaching out on my behalf. I ended up getting connected with Dr. Nazarelli and learned about care and then had the opportunity to stay for an additional year and focus uh, just on care and research.
0: Gotta love that Cardinal Network. I'm glad they were able to put you in touch with us. Tony, you said you're in Georgia. What was your path to care?
3: Yeah, so when I started med school, I had a mentor. Um, her name is, well, she's Dr. Sorando now, Sabina Sarando. Um, She's currently a vascular resident at Stanford because she matched there. And I was just looking to do a summer research project in plastics, and I was having a hard time getting connected, you know, finding projects and people to talk to. And so I reached out to my mentor, and Sabina connected me with me with Dr. Gordon Lee, um, who's also... Um, very well known in the Stanford Plastics Department.
0: Glee! I love his email signature.
3: Yeah. And from there, Dr. Gordon Lee, so, so nice, so receptive to kind of, you know, helping me get my footing in the field. And he connected with me uh, with Dr. Nazarali, And since then, it was a match made in heaven. And we've been doing research since October 2020.
0: So this is <laughs> right after the pandemic started. Probably like, what would that be? Eight months after the pandemic? COVID exactly. destroyed the world?
3: It was like eight months after the pandemic, you know, I didn't have my graduation, Aww. undergrad just ended abruptly, and then two months into med school, here I am with Dr. Nazarelli.
0: Nice. I mean, that's got to be super hard, though, to find mentors with COVID going on.
3: For sure. But it was also, like, nice because, you know, COVID introduced us to the world of Zoom and Microsoft Teams, and it kind of made our large world into a pretty small one because we can just video chat.
0: Right, Yes. And so that's helped with how you do research with the entire team scattered across the country. Is that right?
1: Yeah. So one of the advantages I think that has come out of the pandemic is everyone's comfort with um, connecting digitally. And so part of that process has been various ways that we have been able to connect through Zoom, through Slack, through just in general emails and using Google Sheets and Google Forms. We are all virtual. For the most part, there are some opportunities where we do have in-person meetings. They're primarily social events where there can be a little bit more of a relaxed conversation around plastic surgery uh, advice and, and um, the opportunity for students and residents, as well as faculty to interact. Those happen at meetings. They happen in person you know, locally here in Palo Alto, but care members have also gotten together independent of overall formal structure, you know, in their, in their local communities, some care members in Chicago have gotten together independent of us. So it's, it's become a network that's been a lot larger than just Palo Alto.
0: That's so cool. I love that. How do you choose what projects you're going to work on? I know it's all plastic surgery, but that's a really big topic.
2: Yeah, I think we have the great benefit of having a lot of different skill sets within care. So plastics is a very innovative field. And there's so many questions still to be asked and answered. And we take advantage of all of the various attendings that are involved in care and their interests and also students asking specific questions and finding different areas of interest that they want to pursue. And and we come up with a research question. Sometimes there's already a research question and we just need a research team to execute it. And um, so we're, we kind of fill in the gaps um, on both. We take question, we form a team, we try to find a good data set to work with. And we bring in people who have the skills to write, who have the skills to do data analysis, who have just more of that, the skill to see how this question relates to plastic surgery in general. And and that's where we rely on a lot of our residents to kind of help guide the medical students that still don't quite have that understanding of plastic surgery in the hospital day in and day out. And we put together teams that way and and bring in projects through abstracts all the way um, to publication, hopefully.
0: That's fantastic. I love the mentorship aspect. Uh, What are you working on right now, Priscilla?
2: A lot of different projects, actually. So one of the big ones that I have been focusing a lot of time on has been non-syndromic cleft lip and palate. And it's association with various environmental and, and non-environmental, more social factors. And so um,
0: non-syndromic. You're gonna have to explain that one too. Maybe. Yeah, so
2: um, there's both cleft lip and palate that happens for genetic reasons. Okay. And cleft lip and palate that happens for reasons that are non-genetic and still being explored. And so one of our care members put together this great research question this past year looking at cleft lip and palate and air pollution. Her name's Kelsey Krakauer. Um, So a little shout out to Kelsey, but she's from Oregon and she worked on this project with uh, one of our mentors, Dr. Schechter here at Stanford. And I helped do some of the data analysis for it. And we kind of took that concept and together with some other attendings who do a lot of the craniofacial surgeries, working with cleft lip and palate kids, Dr. Kosla. He was also interested in seeing if there's an association with pesticides. Um, He was seeing a lot of kids with non-syndromic cleft lip and palate come from agricultural areas. And so we kind of built upon that work and are now exploring cleft lip and palate associations with pesticide, um, so not just pollution, and then also looking at other environmental factors and things like poverty and social economic status. So that yeah, but kind of the research, there are research opportunities everywhere. So you can do things from burn care and and wound care to working with cleft lip and palate. It kind of just depends on what questions you're asking.
0: Wow, I had not even thought about a connection between. Left lip and palate and air pollution or pesticides. But I mean, I guess that kind of makes sense with, uh, you know, Mm -hmm. sitting here during fire season. I cannot wait to read your research. Uh, Do you have plans to publish or present this anywhere?
2: Yeah, absolutely. So we are about to submit the pollution manuscript. So hopefully that will be published soon. And we just submitted a couple abstracts to some conferences and are working on the the bigger manuscript now. So hopefully that will be published within the next couple of months once we finish the, the write-up for those. And Tony, I saw your name
0: on the Clinical Congress schedule and you told me you're presenting at a bunch of other conferences as well, including Plastic Surgery, the meeting yes <laughs> congratulations on having your abstracts accepted very cool thank you can you give us a preview of the research you'll be presenting
3: yeah so asps has the plastic surgery the meeting it's like the olympics for plastic surgery that happens every year in the fall i was fortunate enough to go last year to present one thing and this show i'll be presenting a few things i'm doing a project kind of on travel care and access to gender affirming care that's also with you know um, our attending Dr. Morrison out in University of Washington with Dr. Nazarelli and a couple of the Stanford students who are there. And it's just one project that kind of helps us kind of bring light and start the dialogue to see like how many parts of our country are lacking and being able to offer that kind of care mm-hmm. for individuals who need gender affirming care. So if you can tune in, I know I think PSTM is recording some of these podium presentations so you can probably catch it and see what, what our findings are. Nice. Um, and other things we're doing, uh, my good friend Mallory, She had this project on um, connective tissue disorders and how that kind of affects complications Mm -hmm. for patients who undergo um, certain breast reconstruction procedures. I think that's also a great project that we're, we're sharing with everyone at that meeting.
0: Nice. And I guess, Dr. Nazarelli, from your point of view, this is a great opportunity to help them work on submitting papers and their presentation skills, get them ready for a career in academic surgery.
1: Well, yeah, that's right. You know, ultimately, I feel like we have all had mentors who have influenced our path in where we go and what we end up doing in life. And this is an opportunity for some of the faculty that we have here to be mentors, not only to some Stanford medical students, but be mentors to medical students across the country who are interested in plastic surgery. Many of the students that we work with come from institutions that don't have a plastic surgery program. Or a smaller plastic surgery program and we have a tremendous breadth of faculty and resources here that you know we are leveraging to hopefully influence our future generation of plastic surgeons giving privilege and opportunity to those who really want to be plastic surgeons in the future but don't necessarily have the means right now to do research at their own institution or to engage with uh, mentors at their own institution
0: that's awesome And Priscilla, are you thinking that you are going to go into plastic surgery, academic surgery?
2: I would like to. That's the current plan. So once I wrap up my year here, I'll be applying into plastics for residency and then would love to stay involved in care, which is also a great aspect of care is we have residents who graduate medical school and go on to do their training and continue to stay engaged. And like Dr. Nazarelli said, that mentorship aspect happens on so many different levels and is very rewarding. And the great thing about CARE is you can continue on and continue mentoring and continue forming connections.
0: That's awesome. I can see this network just continuing to grow exponentially.
3: Yeah. I remember my first project called The Zoom Effect. I worked with Dr. Nazarali, also with an attending out at UW, University of Washington, Dr. Morrison. And then my two co-authors, Trudy, who's also very, very helpful with me at you know, running CARE, and Shannon, who's a Stanford student, like, I never thought I would have friends like right across from the East Coast to the West Coast and just kind of connecting with them and just learning more from others. So it's definitely research was great, but it also kind of connecting me with more people. And
0: Yeah. And are you hoping to head into academic surgery, plastic surgery after all of this? Are you sticking with it? Or have we scared the living crap out of you?
3: Oh, no, I think I think you really persuaded me. I Honestly, starting med school, I always thought, oh, a doctor would be someone that would just, you know, provide care for a patient, follow up, keep them healthy, make them happy. Mm -hmm. But like the fact that it's not just being a doctor, you you can be a scientist. You can add to the literature. I spend hours on PubMed searching things. One day I can search things that I was able to like study and I'll see myself learning more from it. So it definitely persuaded me to like consider academic surgery, academic plastic surgery. And it also kind of opened up to like, learning the logistics of it, like seeing Dr. Lee and Dr. Nazarelli like be like true academic surgeons and like how their day-to-day is. It's like honestly inspiring.
0: I think they're inspiring too. What are the plans for care in the future, Dr. Nazarelli?
1: Well, we're just getting started, I think. You know, we're, we're very new. We are just getting onto social media. We're just starting to get the word out. At the upcoming ASPS meeting, the National Plastic Surgery meeting, we have 18 presentations, wow. uh, which is, incredible. and I'm looking forward to seeing that impact on other students, other individuals who are interested in being mentors, but also being uh, mentored.
0: Fantastic. Anything I didn't ask you about that you think you should tell me about CARE?
3: I think CARE is honestly, I think it's amazing. And that sounds kind of cliche, but you know, Plastic surgery, it's, it's a very competitive field to match into and to find, you know, a career in. Um, and mm-hmm. there are many med schools who don't have, you know, programs for students to get that early exposure to plastic surgery. Me and myself included, you know, at MCG, we don't really have an integrated plastic surgery program. So it's kind of the burdens on the students themselves to kind of figure out who their mentors are, who their sponsors are, where can they find research, where can they connect with other students and attendings and individuals that know about the field more. And I think care is just it's one of those groups that offers that on one package for a student who is a budding plastic surgeon who really wants to you know, get as much experience as possible. I know when I started, Dr. Nazarali and Dr. Leah were so open to having me come for my research summer. I spent, I think, six to seven weeks out in Palo Alto with them and just being able to talk to the residents and see how things go at an, a huge academic institution And also being able to meet my co-authors to work on projects. And even Dr. Lee and Dr. Nazarelli has offered to let me kind of come for a research elective next year and maybe, you know, see their cases. Because at a big academic institution, sharing those opportunities to a student who who doesn't really get to see those things at their own school can help, you know, inform them more about the field, get them more involved, and really just share, like, the amazingness of plastic surgery with everybody. So I think CARE is is a great platform to keep things, you know, interesting for students and also help increase diversity and also help increase accessibility to a field that is, you know, not offered everywhere across the country.
0: Totally. I get to photograph some of their cases and I'm always hella impressed by what they are capable of doing. And there's such artists about it too. It's really amazing. I love it.
3: Honestly, it's it's truly an art.
0: It is. If someone wanted to get involved in care and is listening to this podcast right now, how would you suggest they go about doing that?
2: So we have our careprs.org website that they can go to and um, there is a link that you can click on and it will take you to an application form where you can fill it out and um, uh, we'll get the emails for new requests for membership and then be in touch with anyone who's interested in joining our group. Excellent.
0: I'll make sure to include those details in the episode description. Thank you so much for joining me today. I really enjoyed speaking with you.
3: Awesome. Same here. I love talking to you.
0: Thank you so much, Rachel. Thank you, Rachel. And that brings us to the end of another episode. If you like Scrubcast, we hope you'll tell your friends and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Scrubcast is a production of Stanford University's Department of Surgery. Today's episode was produced by Rachel Baker. The music is by Midnight Rounds. And our chair is Dr. Mary Hahn.